Welcome to Talent X, the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work, empowering you to better understand and deliver a best in class, future proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Talent X Podcast. Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to Talent X the Talent Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Kevin Wheeler. Kevin is the founder and chairman of the Future of Talent Institute. He works all over the globe and is a well-known futurist, author, speaker, and consultant in human resources, recruitment and staffing, talent development, and corporate education. Kevin writes frequently on recruiting and staffing and his book, The Corporate University Workbook launching the 21st century learning organization is a widely used guide and i should add it's available on amazon which is always always a good thing thanks kevin we appreciate you joining us how are you doing i'm doing very well great to be here and thanks for inviting me great we have a lot to talk about so let me let me start with this you're the founder of the future of talent institute and at the top of the institute website it says envisioning the workforce of 2025. And I was struck by that because that makes you a person that I know a lot of people want to hear from because organizations everywhere are trying to get a fix on what the workforce is going to look like moving, moving ahead. Everybody seems to be stressing out about that. So what changes and trends are you seeing today and how will things change as we move past the current crisis that we're in? Well, John, as we all know, this has been an era of incredible uh, and sudden change. Nobody thought in January that we would be here today, uh, not the slightest clue. Uh, and I, I kind of call this uh, a paperclip change time. And by that, I mean, when you bend a paperclip, it stays bent. And no matter how much you try to put it back the way it was, it'll never look like it did before you bent it. And that's the era that we're in now. We're in a time of change that's permanent, where something that seemed pretty small at the time uh, has ended up leading to incredibly deep changes. So uh, we know millions of jobs have been lost and many of those are not gonna come back. Uh, If they do come back, they're gonna look a lot different than they did. We have amazingly, almost everywhere in the world, learned to work remotely. And this was something that prior to the pandemic, about 5% of the world's population was able to work remotely. Now it's more like 50% that's working remotely. It's an incredible, uh, massive change in how people are working. And the benefits of that uh, we've seen are in uh, the environmental changes and the political changes around traffic, around and, and so forth. These are massive changes. We've reduced pollution. We've reduced traffic congestion. And if we go back to non-remote work, we're gonna be right back where we were before. Uh, And I was just looking today on the television where uh, the air quality in cities is four to five times better than it was three months ago, simply because of the fact that we're not traveling to work anymore, not driving cars. Um, Business travel is gonna go way down. I think I predict it won't come back for at least two years. Uh, And even then, it's probably going to be 50 or 60 percent of what it is today. Uh, And the reason for that is remote working 
and I believe the growth that we will see in virtual reality, which will make it much more real to not be physically in a place and still feel like you're there. Uh, I think we're gonna see office space emptied out uh, tremendously. I think the big challenge is what are we gonna do or what are organizations gonna do with all this extra space that they're not gonna need anymore. Uh, and that's gonna have big implications for the tax base within cities and for all the small businesses that support these big employers like restaurants and so forth. Uh, big, big changes coming to the way cities look. Um, already we're seeing people moving back out into small towns and villages um, for two reasons. One is they wanna get away from the, the city, the congestion, and they can work remotely so they can do that. And the second thing is it's, it's safer from a health perspective to be in a place with less congestion, less people. Uh, so we're going to see huge amounts of automation and AI taking over um, just for, for, for no other reason than to reduce uh, sickness and the healthcare costs that companies might incur if they bring employees back. If they replace them with automation and robots, they'll reduce, reduce those risks and they'll raise their profitability. Uh, machines over time and robots over time are much less expensive than people. Hey, Kevin, do you think that um, the remote work percentage, and I agree with you that I've seen everywhere people saying something or in the neighborhood of half the workforce, 50% of the workers are now working remotely. Do you think when things stabilize, I hate to use the word go back to normal because I doubt we're ever going to get back to the normal of January 2020, um, but once things stabilize and we, we have the crises start to ebb a little bit. Do you think that that percentage will stay around 50 or do you think that there will actually be some people who are working at home now who will have to come back for whatever reason? Yeah, I think it's gonna stay very high. I'm not gonna predict a percentage per se, but I think it's gonna stay extremely high. Uh, and the reason I say that is that particularly people with families find working at home better that you don't have to pay for childcare, you don't have to worry about the things that, uh, for women in particular, that inhibited their careers. Uh, those things kind of go away when you have remote work and when everybody does it and it's the norm. Um, so I, don't, I think there's gonna be a lot of resistance amongst people to go back to work. Uh, and I think organizations are gonna be reluctant to bring people back because of the fear of more infections and, and, and more cost in terms of healthcare. So it's kind of a two-way two street. I think organizations have already seen productivity as either the same or better with a remote workforce. So I don't see any benefit really of bringing people back other than for the innovation and creativity and socialization. And I think we'll have a hybrid model where people do go back to work some of the time, maybe one day a week, maybe a few days a month they go back to work. Maybe there's meetings that are organized where they come in for a, a short period of time but I think that you know, 80% of your working time is gonna be spent at home and a smaller percentage in the office. Uh, I think we'll find in between places like co-working spaces and other places where we can hang out and socialize and have that social connectedness that human beings need to have, but we don't need necessarily to have it in the office. So I think it's here to stay. Well, you touched on the one thing that um, I found as the biggest thing I missed. I've been working remotely from home for about 10 years now. 
And the thing that I miss the most is the things that happen in the office. Yeah, it's camaraderie, but it's also somebody pops their head into your office or your cube to ask a question about something and you start talking and boom, some problem you've been struggling with, the answer comes out of the mist and you wouldn't have come up with that solution, at least not at that point in time, if that person hadn't come on by. I think that's the one thing you lose that you simply cannot re replicate on Zoom or on those kinds of things. You can try and maybe some do, but I never found that I could. So that's great that, that you think that there's going to be some opportunities for people to get together and to get involved in some of those things. I definitely think the hybrid will be there. Um, and I think we're going to see a big improvement in the tools that, that, we, that we use, like Zoom and so forth. I mean, Zoom is an incredibly useful tool. It's been a lifesaver for almost everybody uh, during this pandemic. But imagine if you could combine this with, with um, virtual reality, which is already being accelerated because of this coronavirus. If you had much more realistic and higher bandwidth um, uh, internet, which we're going to get, we're getting it even on our phones with 5G networks. So we're on the edge of massive changes in just technology that's going to make working from home more real, better, and, and more of a social experience. Um, but we still get together, and I think we will still have those opportunities to go into the office and, and do things. Kevin, how do you see recruiting changing as we move ahead? What are smart or thoughtful companies doing today to impact who they hire tomorrow? Well, it's a whole lot of things. I think we're going to see a whole variety of changes in recruiting. And, and uh, I just talked about this for the last couple of days at different events I've been part of. I think, number one, we're going to see... Um, a lot of recruiters not returning to the workplace, but being employed as a contracted professionals or through an outsourced service like an RPO or an agency. I think what remains inside the companies for recruiting is going to be a smaller, uh, maybe more sophisticated and certainly more strategic group of people uh, that are focused on the acquisition of people or, or talent. I think we're shifting our thinking away from thinking so much about hiring a person with a pedigree to fit a slot. And what we're really starting to see is a shift toward hiring for skills. And Jenny Romney, the chairman of IBM, just had a big talk on this a few weeks ago where IBM has already shifted to hiring for skills, not for pedigree. So uh, Google many years ago, several years ago, shifted away from requiring a degree or you know, various other credentials that are very typical and to look more at what you can contribute to the organization. And when you begin to recruit for skills, capabilities, even potential for learning, uh, I think that changes recruiting pretty fundamentally and how we go about what we do. Uh, I look at um, the best recruiters are gonna be those who can influence hiring managers, who can put together a, uh, a group of candidates that some of them could be uh, permanent, some of them could be contingent, some of them could be contractors. Uh, they're gonna have to tap into multiple workforces that they maybe haven't had to deal with before uh, and present those to hiring managers as alternatives. So it's gonna be more complex in a way. It's gonna require recruiters to be much better at influence and communication. It's gonna require them to have uh, a much better set of overall skills in the uh, human side of things, as opposed to the administrative side, 
which is really kind of in the, the core of recruiting. It's been getting better at interviewing or scheduling or whatever. Those are going to become much more automated and much less important. Well, I know that, uh, you know, we've been talking about recruiting here and a lot of your recent focus I know has been on recruiting leadership. And that's a great topic given the state of recruitment in our current economic environment. But I was intrigued by the slide you sent me of your recent presentation that was titled Recruitment Leadership in a Paperclip World. Can you talk about that a bit? Sure, absolutely. A paperclip world is what I described when we started this podcast, this world where the change is permanent. We're not going to go back to the way it was in the past. And recruiting is not going to go back to the way it was. Recruiting leadership is not going to go back to the way it was. And, you know, I, like I said, historically, recruiting leadership has been, in my opinion, and I know this is very controversial, but it's been really uh, super management. It hasn't really been leadership. It's been, you know, uh, assigning people to do certain things. It's been, uh, you know, trying to influence uh, spending and so forth like that. Those aren't strategic things really in terms of changing recruitment. I think today, if you're a recruiting leader, you're going to have to be able to respond to the ambiguity and the chaos that's out there in this world, because none of us can really predict what it's going to look like. Uh, I think we know pretty much it's not going to go back to the way it was. And we know that things are changing. And if we start recruiting uh, more for skills and less for pedigree, if we start, who's going to be able to lead those kind of changes? Who's going to put together the new organization, the new structure to do that? And so the leadership is going to be very different. It's going to have to be more uh, comfortable with ambiguity. It's going to be able to have to deal with, uh, with the chaos that's out there. It's going to have to be empathetic open and communication. It's got to have great influencing skills. It's got to be a really incredibly powerful communicator. These are the real skills of, of recruiting leadership for the future. And I'd say that most of the recruiting leaders today uh, are deficient in many of those skills uh, and really have to step up to the plate to change and be effective in this new era. So lots of changes in, in the leadership uh, piece. Um, I'm writing an article that will be out in a week or two that describes this in a little bit more detail, but it's really about agility, flexibility, comfortable, com being comfortable with chaos and uh, being able to act and make decisions, even when you don't have all the knowledge and all the information that you need. Uh, where does retention stand in um, this uh, new world of work? Uh, Companies have talked about needing to do more of it over the years. My experience is that a lot of them talk about it, but not a lot of them follow through. Uh, given our current environment, is, is retention going to become more important or is it going to become less important? Uh, I think yes for some and no for others. <laughs> and I'll put it to you this way. I think for the uh, white collar firms, uh, they're going to move jobs out to contract and freelance uh, tremendously. They're going to keep a small core of permanent employees, but I think much smaller than they've had in the, in the past. A, a, lot of, um, a, a lot of things like finance, legal, HR, recruiting are going to be outsourced completely. So I think you're going to see um, very little, uh, some focus on retention, but only for that professional core. For the blue collar organizations, uh, they're going to reduce staff pretty much across the board, and they're going to increase automation and robotics more and more. And I don't think retention is going to be a big deal for the blue-collar companies. 
I think for the white collar companies, it'll be a big deal for a small core of permanent people. Well, it looks like uh, we are running out of time. This always happens. Time goes really quickly when we do these podcasts. <laughs> and there's one last question we ask everybody who comes onto the Talent X podcast right before we close that I want to ask you too. And it's this here at the Talent X podcast, we wholeheartedly believe that everyone should have a job that they love, one they're passionate about. So, Kevin, what do you love about what you do? I, what I really enjoy the most about what I do is having the luxury, maybe in a way, of, and the resources to look into the trends that are influencing the future and help to translate those trends into reality for, for people, especially in the recruitment and talent in nature space. And I think for a lot of those people, um, it's hard to really understand all the trends to make sense out of what's going on out there. And I think the contribution that I can make and that I enjoy making is to help translate some of those trends and that this is what you can do to get better. This is how you can deal with this uh, un unfolding and really uncertain future. Well, thank you, Kevin, for taking the time to be with us today. It's been a great conversation, and we've been very generous. You've been very generous with your time. We really appreciate you being here. For the Talent X podcast, this is John Holland. Thanks for listening. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent X podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentX Podcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag TalentX Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. TalentX, the Talent Experience Podcast, was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.